Hello, friends, and welcome to the 360 Experience Podcast, and I am your host, Tim Brahim. Today's a special day for me, and this is going to be a very unique podcast episode because I have the fortunate opportunity to have a conversation for the first time in over a decade with my professor, um, Mr. Ron Hulnick. Now, Ron and his wife, Mary Hulnick, are doctorates in psychology, um, practicing psychologists for over 40, closing in on 50 years. Uh, the two of them, many years ago now, more than 40 years ago, founded a university in Santa Monica called the University of Santa Monica and developed the first and I believe only spiritual psychology master's degree in the United States and perhaps even the world. I was introduced to this program by a dear friend of mine back in 2009 um, and went to school there for three consecutive years and earned a master's degree with an emphasis on consciousness, health, and healing. I will tell you that I did not go to school at the University of Santa Monica for the purposes of getting a degree to then be able to parlay into a career, although it has definitely turned out that way. Um, I was in a moment of, of challenge in my life. I had just gone through a divorce uh, with my wife of 13 years, and I was in a deep state of self-reflection and soul-searching. And I've always been interested in both psychology and spirituality. So a little bit of a background, just because this is important for me to tee this up, and then I'm going to share with you how this episode is going to unfold. Um, spiritual psychology is non-dogmatic and non-denominational, meaning it doesn't uh, exclude any faith. It actually includes all faiths. Um, and when I was raised, I was a Catholic. I went to a Catholic high school, uh, graduated from there, and then went on to college. And in my early 20s, I started to question some of the beliefs that I had learned um, and the teachings that I had learned from my, my youth. And I actually went through a very short period of time where I was basically an atheist. I just kind of rejected the whole notion that God even existed for a period of time. Uh, not very long. I quickly realized because I then started to dive into looking at all faiths, all religions, all philosophies, uh, and all notions of spirituality, that there's just so much beauty and so much available uh, to learn and to grow from and to help make me a better human being and make all of us a better human being. So just so I'm being clear, um, I believe in all faiths. I believe that all of them are good at their core and teach the fundamentals of being a good human being. So none of this conversation that I'm going to have with Ron should offend anyone or exclude anyone, I would think. Um, it is all inclusive and it is incredibly valuable material. Now, in my tenure at the University of Santa Monica, um, my whole world changed. Everything in the way that I saw the world and that I see the world to this day is very, very different. It's kind of almost like pre-USM and post-USM, there's two different lives. And I think that some of that will come out in the conversation that he and I have. Um, I'm going to embellish a lot during this podcast episode. A lot of the topics that Ron and I are going to discuss are deep and rich and important. I think that if you listen to the duration of this episode, you will surely walk away with a different viewpoint on how you show up in the world and how you see the world, which is the intention. So from time to time, we will cut away to me and I will do some teaching myself. So this is an opportunity for me to share with you uh, an incredible human being, a very wise man, 
someone who I revere greatly. I've, I've had a crazy life. I've met so many amazing souls on this journey that, that I've called this lifetime. And uh, Ron Holnick is way up at the top of the list of one of the most important people that I've ever met. Um, so I'm grateful to be able to bring him to you. And I'm grateful to be able to teach alongside of him some of the stuff that I've learned from him over the years and from other forms of, of teachings that I've received. Um, as always, feel free, please, if you would, to subscribe to the 360 Experience podcast. That's how we grow and, and, and get our, our, our guests like Ron. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, certainly would love to see your comments. We read all of them. Um, if you're watching this on Spotify or our Apple podcast, please like us. That would be really helpful as well. It helps us grow. Um, and always check the show notes at the bottom of whatever channel you're, you're viewing this on, uh, because there is a link to some other value added resources associated with the content in this episode. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my professor, Mr. Ron Holnick. Wow, Ron, I, uh, I can't thank you enough for being with me. I feel so honored. Um, I, I feel compelled to tell you that um, you've made such a massive impact on my life in ways that you probably are not even completely aware. And um, I mean, my whole career as a, as a, a business and life coach was spawned by my, um, by you asking a very profound question in the classroom at USM of the entire class, you, you pose the question, what is it that makes your heart sing? And mm, great question. Question. <laughs> it really, it really is a great question. Well, I tell people this story all the time. <clears throat> I say, you know, that there's something about that question that really reverberated in me, like really reached me to the core of my essence. And, and I went, Whoa, wait a minute. Like, don't answer that question right now. That's, big and sit with it. And I sat with it for months and where I ultimately arrived is what I do for a living. So thank you. And it's really an honor to have you. Well, my pleasure, my pleasure, <laughs> really, I mean, no kidding, my pleasure. So let's get started <laughs> with, um, you know, I mean, in the <laughs> intro, you know, I talk about the fact that, you know, you and your, your wonderful wife, <laughs> Mary, um, have gifted so many people over the course of time, the, the blessings of being uh, involved in the University of Santa Monica spiritual psychology program. And you know, I get, I get asked this question all the time by people. Um, what is spiritual psychology? So mm -hmm. I know you've been asked that question a million times. If yes. you don't mind giving us just a quick overview, I think that would be helpful to get us off out of the starting gates. Relatively little education is of the heart. See, and how can you tell the difference? I would, I would say, I say, people ask me that all the time. I say, uh, who's the person that you love the most? It's like when you think of somebody, and for some people, it's not a person, it's an animal or something like that. Uh, that, that when you think of this person or uh, pet, that you, you just feel it in your heart. That's what we're talking about. See, that's the place where we want to operate our lives from, not from the reasoning, positioning of the mind. The mind is, is a tool, as we see it, to be used in service to the heart. But we've lost sight of that largely on this planet at this, at this time. Well, this is an unusual time. We're starting to catch on again. But uh, that's, the, that's the essence of it. 
Now, I want to take a moment to interject here before we have Ron continue to talk about the curriculum at the University of Santa Monica, because what we need to first do, he and I, is lay a foundation. So as we get deeper into this conversation, so much more of it will make sense for you and will have a huge impact on you. So one of the foundational principles of the University of Santa Monica is that we are souls having a human experience. And that's a very important juxtaposition and a different lens to look at the world through. The principal teaching is that we all came into the world pure. And it was the outside world, the environment that we came into that curbed our personality and defined who we became as humans. Now, we're going to talk in our conversation a bit about the ego, and I want to define that for you in a, uh, quickly here for a moment, which is, I want you to think of the ego as your personality structure, the way that you show up in the world, the way you think, the way you behave, that's the ego. The soul is a very different component of who all of us are. It's that part of us that loves, that part of us that feels compassion, that part of us that feels empathy and that evokes presence and has a strong intuition. So, when you look at it through the lens of coming into the world as a innocent soul and then having influences that curb your personality, it starts to become a very interesting lens, as I said, to look at it through. Your parents have a huge impact, of course, on who you become, but so do your siblings, so do your school teachers, so do those kids that you shared classrooms or ball teams with when you were younger. And over the course of time, we develop these personality structures and they serve us for periods of time and then at other times in our lives can actually get in our way, which is why it was so important in this curriculum to start to see things through that lens of the divine soul that is in me, the divine soul that is in you. And then when somebody's acting out, it's their personality, not who they really are that's having a difficult time. And we're gonna connect all these dots, I promise you, as we dive into this conversation. But again, I need to lay this foundation for you now so you can really comprehend it when we get into it. So over the course of my three years, um, I really got an opportunity to see the storyteller that had been existing inside of me for, at that time in my life, um, about 41 years. We all, based upon our experiences, based upon our conditioning, based upon our personality, have a story that we tell ourselves that influences the way that we see the world. And again, in some ways it's positive, but in other ways it can really be inhibiting to our, our experience of life and the joy and happiness that we experience. So USM, was designed by Ron and Mary Holnick with an incredible mantra, which is school the way that you wished that it always had been. So this was a very different school. There were no tests, but there was a lot of work and it was very saturated and intense work. So I only went to school one weekend a month, Friday from seven o'clock at night to 11 o'clock at night, Saturday from 9 a.m. to about 10 p.m. And then Sunday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then every summer we would have a one full week intensive that was basically from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for seven straight days. So it was very condensed. And what was different about the curriculum is that there were no tests. There was a lot of reading and there were a lot of papers. In fact, I calculate that I wrote over 1500 pages 
in my time at the University of Santa Monica, and I read over 40 books. But in addition to that, it was a very experiential curriculum, one that's a little bit challenging to explain because you have to actually be in the classroom of roughly 250 students and go through it to really comprehend it. But we learned how to facilitate each other. And in the process, we worked through a lot of our own issues. We also learned how to be present with each other and ask excellent questions to help somebody uncover the answers to their own circumstances and to help them heal and grow. We studied some of the most amazing psychologists that have ever been around. People such as Albert Ellis, Fritz Perls, Eric Erickson. We learned concepts such as neurolinguistic programming, person-centered therapy, et cetera. And we practiced them on each other and helped each other learn and grow. It was an incredible, incredible experience. So in this next clip, Ron is gonna share with us the difference between heart-based learning and mind-based learning, which is an important distinction as we start to evolve through this conversation with Ron Holnick. And the other thing it was, most education these days in this world is mind-based. As you well know from your attendance, most of our processes are heart-based. We're interested in people touching that place in, in their hearts. And then let's look at this issue from that place. Let's look at this issue that you're having a problem with in your life from a heart place. And lo and behold, what did we find? We find that looking at it from that perspective, people could find healing. Because the essence of the heart base is love. And you can't hold love and againstness in the same, in the same thought. So if you're going to go for love, you do that by surrendering whatever the negativity is that you are holding in your consciousness that's been in the way. And USM became, over time, because we kept adding to this basic uh, understanding, this uh, overriding sense of, let's see what that looks like from your heart. And when the more people started doing that, the more they started getting these amazing results that they had never imagined possible. So let's let's deepen that. So there's a phraseology that we used to use <laughs> in school that you taught, which was "I'm upset because dot dot right. dot." Right? Like, mm -hmm. I've, I've I've actually been upset before, so <laughs> you can use me as your guinea pig. Okay, <laughs> so looking at it through that <laughs> lens, let's say that we have a grievance with another person and mm -hmm. they they're they're doing something to me right i'm at the effect of they're mm -hmm. wronging me mm -hmm. and i'm upset i'm pissed off at them because mm -hmm. okay how would how does this model work of looking at it through the lens of love to assist in the healing of this experience yeah. and perhaps even the bridging of the gap between me and that other person in my example yes great question You'd think you were a USM grad or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, see, and this, I'm going to make a statement now. People are going to go, ah, what is he talking about? Anytime that you have a problem with anybody about anything, the process that you are working 
that problem out goes through your psychological system. Okay. There is nothing that causes disturbance in another person unless that other person is choosing to see it in a particular way. Let's say that one more time, because I want to make sure. So there's nothing that's going to we'll use me as an example. There's nothing that's going to cause disturbance in me from you as an example or any other person, unless I'm looking through a specific lens of that's that right. experience. That's right. And the and the 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 most prevalent uh, terminology that so many of us use are the simple words. I am upset because. I am upset because, and you are the, you are the, you are that cause or what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're being or what position you take on politics or, you know, or whatever. Uh, you are obviously wrong. I know what's right. And because you don't see it my way, I'm upset and righteously so. Anybody in their right mind would be rightfully upset in that kind of a situation. And we come along and we have the audacity to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's take a look at that more closely. I am upset because. Where is the upset taking place? Inside of me. Where is the blame you're placing? out there someplace. Does that outside event have to provoke the response of disturbance inside of you? Are there no other choices? Mm. See, but because we think, because our egos are our king, in most of our world, because we think we're right about all the things that we feel strongly about. Anybody else who disagree with us, by definition, is wrong. And those people, uh, they need to be educated, at least, at the very least, or at the highest level on the negative side, they need to be exterminated. You take that to its to its furthest degree, it's called war. I mean, you know, any, anybody it seems to me, now maybe there's something wrong with my way of thinking, I cannot fathom bombing other people and having them bombing me. I mean, we've had this experience before. It's not like it's new. And then at the end, we make friends and we go about our lives anyway Yet with all of that uh, suffering and all of that pain and all of that infliction and all of that death and, and all of it, uh, somehow we put that in the it's okay realm. We must do that because what they have done is so bad. Uh, according to who? Well, according to me and all the other people who believe like I do. So how do you feel about what he just shared there? I would imagine there are at least a few of you listening that are thinking of someone in your life that has triggered you and that treats you poorly. And you're like, that, that this doesn't apply to that situation. <laughs> well, as he said, 
let's not forget that when you're upset with someone, it's your upset. The experience is taking place inside of you. And what we're going for here is taking a look at, is there maybe a different way to hold this inside of me that liberates me from my suffering? So I don't know about you, but whenever I've had the experience of being pissed off at someone in my life for any period of time, especially an extended period of time, it doesn't feel good. It dominates my thought process. I'm on like this consistent thought loop of what I want to say and how right I am and all that, but I'm suffering when I'm going through that. And we're not talking about giving someone a pass. So hang in there. We're going to get to these things that might be coming up for you right now. We're not talking about saying, Hey, just trample all over me. We're talking about how to draw boundaries and how to hold it in your consciousness to where you relieve yourself from the suffering. Let's get back to Ron. So like if I'm upset that you've done something to me yes. and it's my upset, it goes back to the Buddha's statement of being angry with someone who's like hot, yeah. holding a hot mm -hmm. stone in your hand, ready to throw it at him. In the meantime, you're the one you're who getting gets burned, burned right? Yeah. So like mm -hmm. inside of me, my upset is causing my suffering. Mm -hmm. And if I want freedom from that, if I'm going to be liberated from holding the hot stone, but mm -hmm. I can't see in my righteousness, what is the pathway out of this hell, this disturbance? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What might that pathway look like? That pathway, that pathway, uh, one of the ways it could look like, because I'm not trying to um, uh, claim we, you know, we're the only source of it. Uh, one of the pathways it might look like is going to find some place where you can learn a whole new model of consciousness so that you can shift your consciousness out of that negative approach into a more positive approach. What what might that positive, rather than like going for a curriculum-based response to this question, I'm looking for like, is it compassion? Is that the is is that one of the compassion pathways? is certainly going to be one of the one of the primary experiences that you will have. So instead of uh, hating people, you will have compassion for their situation and their perspective. You will take into consideration what what their life looks like. Yeah, and there's a difference between compassion and empathy, isn't there? Uh, empathy is being able to feel someone else's feelings. Mm -hmm. People who are empathic, who have that gift, can tell you uh, or, or um, reflect back to you what you're feeling, because they can feel it. Mm -hmm. Now, compassion is a whole other thing. Okay. Compassion says that, how can I say this? Uh, Compassion, to be with compassion or in the company of compassion. I can have compassion for you whether I agree with you or not. I can understand the situation that you find yourself in and how that situation might result from A, B, C, D that may be going on in your life. And I can feel that sense of compassion for you. I can say, gosh, I know, 
I can really sense how that feels. This is why uh, people who generally who are who are uh, successful therapists will will have that sense of compassion. You won't you won't ever find a compassionate person making somebody else wrong for the situation that they find themselves in. I could I can understand how you would feel that way based on your experience. Aha, here comes spiritual psychology. Are there other choices? Where do we learn about the other choices? Where do I learn how to be with someone with compassion without feeling a need to throw in my point of view as if I'm God? Where do I find the skill that allows me to listen to you even though I may disagree with you and yet feel a sense of what we would call compassion, feel feelings of uh, not against you. I understand what you're going through. I don't agree with it. And maybe we could work out the disagreement, but I don't have to hate you for it. I don't have to feel negative toward you for it. I don't have to dislike you for it. I can choose not to have a lot to do with you. That's my choice. But I don't have to enter into the the negative uh, emotional uh, responsiveness that so much of what we see today, I mean, not just in politics, not just in the business world, but just in interpersonal relationships. All right, so I have a lot to share here. So bear with me, but I want to connect some further dots for you. So first of all, the root word passion in compassion, the, the origin of that word goes back to Latin, passio, which means suffering or enduring. This is, you may remember the movie with uh, Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ, The Suffering of the Christ. So compassion literally translated means to be with someone who is suffering, to just be with them, to not have to solve or change the situation, but to just be with them. And some people are much more naturally compassionate than others, but, but boy, is it, a, is it a place that I think most of us as human beings want to strive to get to. So the question is, can you put yourself in their shoes and see that they're having a hard time and it's not about you. For those of you that have read Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, one of the four agreements is don't take things personally. And what he talks about is that that's for your freedom, for your well-being, for your happiness. See, it's when we take things personally and we make it about us, which is where the ego comes from, Okay, so let's connect these dots. You see, the ego, by definition, thinks that it's the center of the universe. Everything revolves around it. The soul is connected and sees the beauty in all things. So when you're coming from an egoic perspective, you take things very personally and you're very invested in being right. 
because that's what makes the ego survive. So, you know, listen, I know that there are tough situations, you know, that are egregious that happen to you in your life. And that's where the black belt work comes in for all of us, me included. And I'm going to tell you a story about something that I learned from this conversation with Ron that really helped me a lot in just a moment. But let me give you just a couple of hypothetical examples. So let's say that you have a different religious view than someone else, and it is causing contention or maybe not even contention, maybe it's just generating judgment. You are judgmental of this person or this group of people because their religious views are different than yours. Understand that within that judgment, you are separate. You are creating separation from that group. And you may say, well, great, I don't wanna be connected to that group. Okay, but, but, but understand that there are good people, good human beings in that group for sure, and it is through that judgment that creates the separation. The reality of it is, is that we don't even know who those people were raised by and how they were orientated to the religious belief structure that they have. So their view is curbed by external forces when they grew up and then they formulated their beliefs and their opinions about things. and you happen to grow up in a different environment and have developed your own beliefs and things. But it is in the game that we play of making others wrong and that righteousness that we are the ones who suffer. How about somebody who, you know, is constantly being tricky? Okay, so I know this person who I feel is very tricky. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him in a moment, but I mean, he's a was a big part of my life for a very long time, like a son to me. And he lived uh, with me for 11 years. Um, and when we started a business together, and I feel like I did a lot of really nice things for him over the course of about a 15 year period of time. And I won't go into the list, but it would make your head spin. You'd be like, oh my gosh, you did all of those things for him. I did because I loved him. But he kind of did some things that ended up severing our relationship. And, and I had definite againstness for about two years leading up to this conversation with Ron. I mean, if his name came up or even if I thought about him, when I reflect back on it, I could see that I was holding judgment. I was in righteousness. I was in my ego and I was definitely suffering as a result. Now, about six months ago, my wife and I went to his hometown. And when I was in his hometown, I realized, hmm, wow, this must have been a tough environment to grow up in. You had to be resourceful. You had to take what you could get. Yeah, you had to learn how to be tricky to survive. And that's when things started to loosen up a little bit for me. And I started to see things through the eyes of compassion. Wow, it must be difficult to be him, to have to kind of maneuver around all the time and see what you can get away with. It must also be difficult to lose some friendships like the one with me and a couple of others that I know of as a result of that trickiness. And then I started to not take it so personally. And I started to realize it really even isn't even about me. See, it's that place that we come from when we think that people are doing something to us that causes our suffering. He was never doing anything to me. He was just doing what he knew. Now, does that make it right? No, I'm certainly not saying that. Does that mean that you should have a relationship with someone who is not 
adhering to the same values that are important to you? No. It's to say, once again, that if I can move from judgment and righteousness to compassion and seeing through the lens of, oh, I wonder what it was like to be him when he grew up and getting curious with that, that we can start to loosen the ties that are around us and start to get free. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.